0: Hello and welcome to the Incredible Witness Podcast. Today's episode is titled, Am I on Trial? One of the first things that hit me after having had time to gather my thoughts following my first and highly traumatic experience of giving evidence at the family court was that I had the distinct feeling that I was on trial. Was I being oversensitive due to the incredible distressing nature of the case, or was I left with a, with a feeling? left feeling that way because that's exactly what I had been. In my case, I was at court giving evidence following the death of a young child who had been brutally killed by one of the child's parents. Nevertheless, throughout my time in the witness box and subsequent to giving evidence, I could not escape the very real feeling that I was on trial for the child's murder. It's difficult to put into words the exact nature of the feelings that, that reverberated through me but it would be true to say that, that you could easily begin to question yourself and your, and your own recollection of, of the events. Feelings of remorse, guilt, despair and uncertainty related to my practice and involvement in the case become intermingled with the horrific events of the child's death, such that you find yourself repeatedly examining the role you played in the tragedy that took place. I recall telling myself on numerous occasions with varying degrees of conviction, that I did did not kill anyone. As ridiculous as that may or may not sound, these were the thoughts and emotions that were dominating my mind for a lengthy period of time. It took many years to put the events prior to, during and after court into perspective, and I realised that a significant part of my difficulty in doing so had to do with the sheer power of the court experience. Thinking back on it now, It was not one thing, but a combination of matters that so hijacked my emotions entirely, leaving me traumatised and lacking in any sense of clarity. The exact antithesis of where you need to be mentally and emotionally prior to giving evidence in the witness box. The alien, unfamiliar nature of court, its adversarial environment, the exposing manner of scrutiny and observation, mingling with with my own pain, doubt, guilt and overwhelming sense of ineffectiveness in connection with safeguarding the child all played their part. More specifically though, the scathing nature of the cross-examination I experienced, more than any other factor I could identify, was responsible for me questioning whether I was on trial for the child's murder. What I had not realised at the time was that that the role of any barrister cross-examining me would be to do all in their power to shift responsibility away from their client and on to anyone else. As the social worker of the child, I was an easy and obvious target. The greater the level of blame or culpability that could be placed on me and my failings, the better for their client. And of course, although I had not killed the child, the court did not know the full account of what had happened, and so would want to hear all of the information relevant to the case. It is not interested in how the process impacts on witnesses, or with how you are left feeling afterwards. When you are given evidence, in all circumstances you are fair game or open to be preyed upon by barristers. So your role is to be absolutely clear in connection with the work you undertook. This is especially important under circumstances in which you are aware that your performance as a social worker was poor or unsatisfactory. I mention this because, as a social worker, your intention is always to do great work because because you care, when for whatever reason you fall below the standards you set for yourself, you have a lot of work to do on yourself before you get in the witness box. If you don't feel good about yourself, it is your sense of self-worth and confidence. If you don't feel good about yourself, if your sense of self-worth and confidence have been hugely dented then it will be much easier for anyone cross-examining you to pull you and your evidence apart. Giving evidence is very much a mental and emotional game that you have to master. You have to be in control of your emotions, thoughts and inner conversations, so as to ensure that your inner discussions are fully supporting you as opposed to undermining you. There is no point getting into the witness box when you are fighting inner demons of doubt and indecision. If you fail to take full control of what you are feeling, and are saying negative and destructive things to yourself, then you may as well just agree with everything those cross-examine you put to you, because there is no way you can give valuable evidence when in that state of mind. You have to believe totally in yourself and what you are saying. It is so vital to understand that giving evidence is a serious type of game, where you tell the court your version or account of the truth under stressful, pressurised and uncomfortable circumstances. I say it is a type of game because to play the game properly or to best effect, you have to play a role and behave differently than you would under normal everyday life circumstances. To play the game well, you have to understand the game very well. You have to be very clear about the roles of those involved and the rules, ex- expectations and consequences for you and for those you work with or have a degree of responsibility for. But although on the one hand you can look at it as though it is a game that is played out under almost totally unfamiliar environment, on the other hand it is a game where the stakes are real and very high and in addition where the conflict involved is not physical physical at all but involves mental and emotional warfare. Whilst giving evidence Although those cross-examine you will not physically assault you, they will attack you both psychologically and emotionally, and unless you are vigilant, the assault on you will occur when you least expect it. Although it may may at first sound dramatic to talk about giving evidence as a game and then refer to tactics of emotional and psychological warfare in connection with it, the reality of the situation is that when you are in the witness box, whether you realise it or not, you're engaged in a very real battle. The barristers cross-examining you have an arsenal of weapons at their disposal that are every bit as dangerous as physical weapons. Indeed, they are more so, because with physical weaponry you can at least see them and prepare to defend yourself. In contrast, the weapons which barristers are continually honing are invisible and they employ the tactics of stealth and guile when it suits them to do so. At other times they can be pleasant, so polite and amiable that if you are not careful, you can be caught off guard by their friendly discourse until you feel the thrust of the dagger that cuts deep into your spine. Then again, you can, with good reason, be so wary of barristers that you make the mistake of believing that every single move they make is an act of war, and consequently remain throughout in a state of perpetual offence, which doesn't tend to portray you in the best possible light in the witness box. So how do you defend against an enemy that is cunning and has multiple ways of ensnaring, injuring and inflicting pain on you? Well, you have to be at all times a combination of these three things. Aware of the conversation, in other words, where it's leading you. Vigilant in the respect that you need to be prepared for an attack at any moment and poised to respond in a manner designed to present your evidence in such a way that it is preferred over the evidence of others. Although you are under attack or at war, the best way to play the game is not to present or behave as though you are. You leave the aggression to the barrister. Your role is to remain stoic, patient, thoughtful, insightful and convincing. That is how you win the battle not by fighting fire with fire or by responding equally unpleasantly to the barrister, but by responding to questions put to you calmly in a combination of ways designed to advertise not only the breadth of your knowledge and wisdom, but the depth of your character and attitude. The judge, like the barristers, are constantly sizing you up, but the judge is assessing the quality of your personality, seeking to determine whether you are someone she or he considers as a character whose evidence can be relied upon. The way you respond to those cross-examining you, your facial expressions, tone of voice, body language, the quality of your arguments and the persuasiveness of your discourse, all provide the judge with a considerable amount of information about who you are. So, to reiterate, the answer to the question I asked myself many years ago, i.e. am I on trial? The answer is a definite yes. But ironically, the best way to defend yourself against attack is not to be defensive. Instead, it is to demonstrate patience, openness, reason and an unflappable nature that focuses on leaving the judge in no doubt that your evidence and conclusions are sound and can be relied upon. Until next time.